What's up? Welcome to this week's sermon podcast of Living Word Pretoria East. Here, you can listen to our latest weekly sermon for your spiritual growth. We believe that this message will really bless you. It's wonderful. I believe you were blessed last week where I spoke on what happiness is, is to have peace with God, peace with others, and peace with yourself. Amen? And that it ministered to your heart and that you, you are in peace, at peace with God, peace with others, peace with yourself. All right. And uh, I want to I wanna speak this morning on a part that connects with peace because there's a place first we need to get uh, before we can have that peace. So... Um, we're all on a journey, isn't it? We're all walking on a certain road. But how many of you have come across in your life where there's a crossroad? Roads meet and you're like, okay, which way should I take? Which way? And there's a, there's a great way, and I'm not talking about the, the wide and the narrow road. I'm just talking about your life. You're walking and there's just some crossroads sometimes in your life and you're like, okay, what next? Do I go this way or do I go that way? And one way seems greater maybe than the other. But there's life and there's blessing and, and the way that you should follow. I want to speak on that because Paul comes in the book of Romans 4 and he gives us examples of justification by faith. Right? The word says the just shall live by faith. We are justified by our faith. The just shall live by faith. And he comes and he gives examples of justification by faith and he highlights two main people. Abraham and David. And he says, this is people who were justified by faith. All right? They were declared righteous by their faith. But, but it, the question is this. If they were declared righteous by their faith, how? Was it according to what they have done or according to just faith? That's what Paul comes and gives in Romans 4. Is David, Abraham, all were righteous by their faith, but how? according to what they've done or by just having faith, all right? Because people in the Old Testament who just directed their faith towards God, they were declared righteous. What does righteous mean? Righteous means in right standing with God. It's one of the things, all right? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. One of the righteousness that meanings is to be in justice, to be in right standing, to be in prosperity and we think we prosperity teaches but he says if you're seeking the kingdom and his righteousness one of the words of righteousness means there that he will prosper you you see so it's in the right alignment that you stand with God so Romans 4 says this he, he explains all right what then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh for if Abraham was justified by works he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. All right. So the whole topic here is righteousness. Righteousness. And Paul is saying that Abraham found righteousness because of, not according to his works. All right. Not according to his flesh. He says, according to his faith. Amen. According to faith. Because he says that he realized that God has done something for him, all right, that he could not do himself. That by believing in God, he says this, that God was able to do something that he couldn't do for himself. 
That is what righteousness means and having faith is that God does something for you that you could not do for yourself. And that's what he has done. So, so he speaks of Abraham believed God and he was counted to him as righteousness. So let's just go back to the story where this all started, Genesis 15. All right, Genesis 15. And it starts in verse 1 and it says this, after these things. Come on, say that. After these things. All right, which things? We're going to get to that. I want to spend time on what is this after these things. There's a beautiful storyline and helping us this morning about when there's roads that cross in your life, what to do next. What is the road that you take when your life is at a place where you say, do I go left or right? What way should I follow? If the world offers you something and God offers you something, what is the way that I should take? Where two roads meet in your life. So it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. You see still Abram, not Abraham. Still his first name. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. One of the translations says that I am your exceedingly great reward. I am your exceedingly great reward. And he says, but Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring. A member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and says, This man shall not be your heir. You, your very own son shall be your heir. And he believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. But this is a promise that's made after these things. Remember, after these things, then he makes a promise and he says, Hey, an heir of your own house shall be the one that comes and, and take in possession, not someone else, not one of the slaves, their sons. No, your own very son shall become your heir. So after these things, so what happens prior to, to Genesis 15? It's easy. It's Genesis 14. All right, good. <laughs> in Genesis 14, Abraham meets a person that has an influence on him. There's someone that has an influence, and, and, and this is the context of Romans 4, all right? It actually starts back in Genesis 12, where, where God calls Abraham. He's 75 years old. He calls him out of the land that he is, and he says, come to the place that I'm going to give to you. There's an inheritance. There's a promise. I'm going to make you the father of all nations, of many nations, and, and through you, all the nations are, will be blessed. So God gives him this promise. All right, but then there's the famine and, and, and Abram goes down to Egypt because of the famine. And you see, even in Abram's life, although his faith was accounted to him as righteousness, you see that there's a lot of lapses. There's a lot of times that, oh, he fails as well, that he takes a dip, all right? And, and he takes his faith a bit down and he's like, he, he queries or he struggles or he wrestles like all of us. Sometimes there's a lapse in our life where we feel like, yo, what next? Or, or can I really trust God? Or is He going to come and fulfill His word over our lives? Is that what He said really? Is He going to do that? Maybe you feel like that. And maybe you look at Abraham, the father of our faith, and you say, but I don't have faith like that. But it's just like the rest of us. There was many times that he failed to show some faith. We also, I mean, we get to Egypt. He comes and he lies about Sarah. He says, that's not my wife, it's my sister because she was beautiful, just like my wife. All right? Amen. Sure. And he was afraid because of Pharaoh. 
and that they will kill him and take his wife. So he says, no, it's my sister. And then Pharaoh finds out and he says, hey, you, you, would, have been brought, you would have been bringing a curse upon us. And he tells them, don't touch him or his wife. And he sends them out because they, they were so blessed that the cattle and everything just grow. So remember, he takes Lot with him. And now there's, there's another problem. He goes with Lot, but they're so blessed that the land cannot carry them. And the, the herdsmen, actually, they start quarreling over the land. They start fighting over the land because there's just too much. And, and Abram comes and he says to Lot, he says, hey, you choose. If you say go left, then I'll go right. But the land cannot carry all of us. So, so you go first and you pick. And whatever side, if you say that side, then I'll go to the other side. And what happens here? Lot goes and he, and he chooses the fertile plains that borders Sodom. All right? Sodom and Gomorrah. So he chooses because it's a fertile place. And he chose what he thought was going to be good for himself. Abram actually allowed God to choose for him because God says, I am giving you all of this land. So in a way, he put his lot in God's hands. That's double, huh? Lot. He put his lot, yeah. <laughs> he put lot also in God's hands. And lot chose the fertile grounds next to the borderline of Sodom and Gomorrah. But in this process, there's a, a Persian king, all right? Shadorlamor. Hey. Okay, praise God, we have normal names these days. But they come and they battle against five other kings. One of them, king of Sodom. And some other kings, and what happens is he wins and he takes all of them captive. So now Lot is a prisoner of war. He's, he's taken away with his wife, his sons, his, his family, cattle, everything. But one of his servants escape, and he runs away and he gets to Abram and he tells him this. He says, hey, Lot, your cousin, he's been taken captive. And what Abram, we think of Abram, this old man, father, oh, Abram, Abram was a warrior, all right? He was, he was fighting fit. So he takes 318 men and he goes and he rescues Lot. All right, so he gathers 300. You can read all of this in Genesis 14. So he takes 318 men and at night they go, let me read you from verse 15. And he goes and he rescues Lot and his family. He says, and he divided his forces against them by night. And he and his servants, and he defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsman Lot with all his possessions and the women and the people. Verse 17, and after his return from the defeat of uh, Shadorlamar, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh. That's the king's valley. So we have the setting where, where he rescues Lot. He takes back all the possessions. They bring them back. They have all the gatherings and all the things and they come back. And the king of Sodom pursues them. The king of Sodom goes after them and he meets them in this valley. And in verse 21, this is what the king of Sodom tells Abram. He says, give me the persons, but take the, take the goods for yourself. So Sodom comes and he, he comes and he tries to negotiate or bargain with Abram who just won the war. All right. So Abram just obtained great victory and he's gone out, he rescued them. And we are introduced the first person after this battle that comes and it's the king of Sodom. And, and sometimes 
after a great victory in your life, that's where you're most vulnerable, isn't it? That's the place where, where you are uh, at a high in your life. And you're at this high victory place, victory in the Lord, whatever. But you're also at your most vulnerable place. You need to take care. Someone said, I, I measure a man by what he does after the glory. When you're in your highest place, you need to see then what? You're vulnerable. So the first person Abraham meets is the king of Sodom. When, when you hear the word Sodom, what do you think? What comes to mind? What is it that, that immediately pops in your head? Because what is, what is Sodom a picture of? It's a picture of sin, isn't it? It's a, it's a living in God's judgments because of their perverse ways. He rained down fire and brimstone on them. All right? It's a picture of the world. It's a picture of wickedness, worldly living, sin, all these things. So, so the first thing is here, the king of the world comes, the king of Sodom, to Abram and says, Hey, look, take all the spoil. You deserve it, man. Take some of the goods. Take all that I have to offer you. You've, you, you've won this great victory. I mean, 318 men, they whip five kings. They go and they rescue Lot from five kings, five nations. All right? He says, just give me back the people you rescued. Because they were perverse. Just give me back the people you rescued. Doesn't it sound like Satan and Jesus? I'll give you all the riches, all the kingdoms. Just worship me. Sodom comes, king of the world, and he says, I'll give you everything. Keep the spoils. Man, you've done great. Just give me back the people. So it's a picture of the king of the world offering Abram, the servant of God, to take some credit for himself. Take something of the world for you, man. You deserve it. So we'll look at his response a bit later because in verse 18, there's another person that comes on the scene in Genesis 14. It says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of the Most High. Of God most high. So here we introduce to Melchizedek, right? And, and he was, the word says, king of Salem. Salem was later, uh, Salem was named Jerusalem. Jerusalem. So, so he's king of Jerusalem. And there's two kings and there's two ways. There's the king of Sodom and there's the king of Salem. The king of peace. And Abram comes now and he meets them at a crossroad in his life at a place where two roads come one king king of Sodom one king king of Salem comes but Melchizedek is a is a really unusual character in the Bible we read about him in the book of Hebrews 7 where he says what is his nature Hebrews 7 from verse 1 it says for this Melchizedek king of Salem priest of the most high God met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him Abraham apportioned the tenth part of everything. His first, by translation, his name means king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, that is king of peace. So it says this man is by first, his name is king of righteousness, and then king of peace. He's without father or mother or genealogy having neither beginning of days nor end of life, resembling the Son of God, 
he continues a priest forever. Sure. Interesting man. And it says that, that we don't know anything about his genealogy. We don't know his mother, his father. But we know that he's both king and priest. That is Christ. Both king and priest. And notice what his name means. He's king of righteousness, king of peace. Last week I said that really true happiness in your life is peace with others, peace with yourself, but it only comes from peace with God. And what he says here is the king of righteousness, king of peace is peace only comes after righteousness. Righteousness comes by faith. You only receive peace when you stand in righteousness. When you allow the king of righteousness to come, then the king of peace comes. Then you're truly happy because then you're at peace with God and others and yourself. So he comes and he says this, that, that there's a way of right standing with God. It's righteousness first and then peace of God flows from there. You guys can start to, to put on some soaking music. But that's just for atmosphere. We're not done yet. If you thought that's the, that's the sign for ending off, no. It's for shifting the gear now. We're not far from done. There's a scripture in Proverbs 8 verse 1 and 2 that speaks about our crossroads. Proverbs 8 says this in the, uh, the ISV. Isn't wisdom calling out and isn't understanding raising her voice? On top of the highest places along the road, she stands where the roads meet. She says that wisdom and understanding meets you where your road meets, where there's a crossing. If you feel in your life that there's a road that's crossing, but you don't know which way to go, God says, hey, wisdom and understanding is there to meet you. He will guide you. There's always a meeting of paths in our lives. And Abram is returning from victory and the first one to come and meet him at this crossroad is the king of Sodom. And as soon as the king of the world comes to, to offer you everything and say, hey, follow this way. He says, wisdom and understanding is right there to meet you at that crossroad, at that pathway where the roads meet. When the world tells you, take some credit for yourself. Come and, you know, you deserve it. He says, hey, wisdom is there. To meet you to cry out you see the king of Sodom comes and he he offers you all that the world has got because the victory that you have all right that you you just had in God you need a word of wisdom because where the cross roads meet now you're gonna be challenged you're gonna experience this thing of the world offering you something better what happens? I want to I say this. Let me just go back quickly, then I'll continue. A revelation on the, on the sowing and giving and offering. That was in Genesis 15. No.
It's where he gives a tithe to the Lord. Genesis. I got lost in my own notes. Let me just share this. What happens is this. Okay, I'll get to that. You see, when the world comes to offer you at the same time, Melchizedek comes. Exactly at the same time. When he is under attack from the king of Sodom. Not when he was on his way to come and fight Sodom. Because the way the enemy attacks is this. It's a deceptive attack. Deception. The, the king of Sodom says, I want you to take part in the gains of Sodom. That's what the world is to offer you. Satan comes and he says, not, God did not say. He says to Eve, did he really say? Suggestive doubt. Just a suggestion, deception. You see, but Melchizedek appears on the scene. Proverbs that says, wisdom comes to meet you. And he says that the voice of wisdom comes and he speaks. So no sooner Sodom arises or appears, Melchizedek appears. And he comes how? With bread and wine. He comes to minister covenant. You see, what happens is the world comes to offer you and say, enrich yourself. Take a spoil. You deserve it. You've done so, so much. You, you, you've worked so hard. But there's a price because he says, enrich yourself, but give me the people. What is that what we can take to the kingdom? Nothing but people. He says, I'll give you everything, but give me the people that you rescued. Where Melchizedek comes and he ministers bread and wine. He ministers communion. He ministers covenant. You see, it's a, it's a place of fellowship. Where you come unto God and, and it speaks of refreshment. I mean, he just come out of battle. He doesn't say, give me something. He says, I come to minister covenant. The bread, my body that's been given, my blood. Notice that Melchizedek didn't meet Abram on his way to strengthen him for battle. He met him on his way when he was at his most vulnerable place. After the greatest victory. He comes to his rescue to bring him wisdom. In a time of deception, he comes to be the voice of reason, the voice of wisdom, the voice of God. That's what I've been looking for. And it says here, verse, nine, verse 19, Genesis 14. He comes and he first blesses Abram. He doesn't say enrich yourself. He comes to bless him. And he said, blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And he blessed, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abram gave a tenth of everything. Just listen to what this is. What happens? How does he give a tithe unto the Lord? Because the world comes and says, hey, enrich yourself. Do this for yourself. He wasn't told to give a tithe. It was a response. It was a response out of covenant. 
when king of Salem, king of righteousness, king of peace came to minister to him and he blessed him. Then out of that response, he gave out of his own a tithe unto the Lord. There was no law yet. He responded because of covenant. And I want you to hear that what we do even in our tithing, it's not just we say we pay insurance or this or that. No, it's a response out of covenant unto the Lord because He blessed us. He is there forever. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. You see all these things. He says to Abraham in Genesis 12, I will bless you to be a blessing. And He continues to bless him first. He blessed him first. He blessed him. He blessed God. And then out of that covenant that he walks with him, there's a response of giving. You see, that's what we do. It's a response. What he does is this actually is king of Sodom offers him the very best. He says, I've got the world to offer to you. But what, what, what he does here, Melchizedek, he says, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. So what does he do? Where Sodom says, take everything what the world has got to offer to you. Melchizedek comes and he says, hey, I fix your eyes on the God Most High who is the possessor of heaven and earth. And he blesses, our ministry is first unto the Lord. He blesses God Most High. He says, the victory that you've won, the victory is because that God has given you this victory. So he turns his thoughts towards heaven, to the things of God. And this is crucial when, when we, we have crossroads. Because between the king of Sodom and, and the voice of wisdom, he responds this. This is Abraham's response. And then we're ending off. He says, this is his response. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. He comes and, and when Melchizedek ministers covenant to him, he responds with a tithe and he tells Sodom, you can't give me anything because then you say you have enriched me i've lifted my hand to the lord means that i put my trust i know who is my source i know who is the one who takes control of everything i know the one who is leading me amen and that is what he says so i've raised my hand in other words i've put god first i've ordered my life in such a way for him to provide for me because he sees my need all right and god won't take anything that you're not offering not even a threat he says not even a threat he says not even a threat the smallest thing he says i put my trust in the lord for everything so what about us what does god want to do for us and through us because these kings, they come at a, a time to all of us as well. All right? Think about the opportunities that have come to you in your life. Maybe an opportunity for employment. 
Maybe in one job, the one day and the next minute, someone comes with a, a different offer. More money, more things, more this, more that. And maybe you're on a crossroad. All right? Just like Proverbs 8 says, he says, Here where the paths meet, wisdom is there. To cry out. To ask, is this the Lord's will for you? Because you stand in covenant with God. And He will lead you to wisdom and understanding. Maybe it's more money, yes. Great opportunities. But at this meeting place, right here where the king of Sodom and Melchizedek comes, one offering the world, the other allowing God to become your inheritance. And that's the conclusion where Abraham comes and he says that after these things, after all of this had happened, and Melchizedek come to provide and bless and after all these things, the Lord comes to Abraham in that vision, Genesis 15. And he says, don't be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Do you want to put your trust in the Lord to come to that place where he's everything? And then again, he blesses him and says, that what I've said, I am going to do. That other guy, not going to be your heir. Your very own son will become the heir. And God did. You know, Isaac came and Jacob and the nation of Israel, king of Salem, Jerusalem. Later they stayed in Jerusalem. You see, God comes in fullness. You see, I want to remind you, when God says a promise over your life, that He will fulfill it. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, Everything God says is pure. He's a shield for those who take refuge in Him. You can rest in the Word of God. The New King James says that. He's your exceedingly great reward. Amen. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just stand together. Let it just be between you and the Lord for a moment. What is it that you need to replace in your life? That what the world or something or someone or something else maybe offers to you. But you need to maybe replace it and say, I'm going to exchange that this morning for God, my exceedingly great reward. That the Lord is your reward. What is it that the world has to offer you but you need wisdom and understanding to intervene this morning in the crossroad in your life. You see, it's great to have God's protection, to have God's blessing and all these things. But the real reward of Christian life is this treasure, is that you have God Himself. That's the treasure. That He is your reward. And that God wants to be that in your life. An exceedingly great reward. He says, I am the treasure. That is what Abram come to a conclusion. That's why out of covenant, he gave a tithe to say, I honor you because I realize you are my everything. You are my reward. We love to do things and do things for God. 
but he himself in the presence of Christ, the presence, that's the greatest treasure of all. In Ephesians 1.17, Paul comes and he writes this. He prays this prayer. He's, he's, he's praying for believers. But he says this, my prayer for you is that you might know him. Him, first of all. That great reward. That you might know him. There's a great, because he says then after that, there's a, there's a hope, there's a calling. There's a great inheritance for the saints and the power of his spirit for those who believe. But at the end of the day, it comes back that, do you know him? That he is your greatest reward of all. And if you don't know him as your Lord or your Savior, if you don't know Him as someone that can be your greatest reward, I want you to, to have this opportunity to come, to accept Him as your Lord and Savior, to come and to take Him as your exceedingly great reward, to exchange that this morning, whatever the world has to offer to you, that wisdom and understanding will intervene this morning and come and say, hey, God, I will put my trust in Him. He will provide for my life and everything. Whatever you need to exchange this morning, bring it to the Lord. Father, I just pray now that you come and do a work in everyone, Father, wherever they're at, that you will meet them, that you will minister to them. Thank you, Father, that this morning we come and just lay down again, Father, and say, thank you, Lord, that you are so gracious and so faithful that even when our lives come to a crossroad, you have wisdom and understanding ready to, to minister to us bread and wine to minister to us covenant to say I am here that you bless us and that Father your word will not return void it will be fruitful in everything that you've spoken over each and every one here over their promises so I speak that again this morning Father and say thank you Lord that you keep them and that you remind them of your word and that you are faithful you will not fail or turn back on your word, but you will do. There is an inheritance for you. Just receive that. Just receive that. Receive that. We praise you, Lord. Give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I bless you. If you need ministry or if you, if you really felt that you need to make right with the Lord, you need to be in, in relationship, come, let us pray with you. Come to us, let us minister. If there's any other need, come, let us pray with you. We want to minister and be a blessing. Otherwise, just know that you are loved. We love you very much. All right? We love you. We love you very much. Amen. And we want to bless you. And may you enjoy this week. Praise God. We give Him all the glory and all the praise. It's lovely. It's such a, a wonderful presence of God here. But just know that God loves you. And the reason we are here is because God has got a purpose for you. And we want to see that to come to fullness in your life. Amen. So Ephesians 1.17. Paul's prayer is my prayer that you, will make, that you will know Him and Him first of all. And then everything else. Amen. Be blessed. Enjoy this week. Go in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the power of God and know that He loves you 
and that you're the apple of His eye. Amen. Be Thank blessed. you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to know more about who we are and what we do, go visit lwpe.co.za. You are formed to function. So let's build.